51, will not fail to be of great benefit in controlling the disagreeable drain. If your medicine dealer is not supplied with these, mail 25 cents in 1 cent stamps to us and we will forward a box of the lotion tablets by return post. These lotion tablets have for many years been used in the treatment of obstinate cases of leucorrhea at the Invalids Hotel and Surgical Institute, and their efficiency has been alike gratifying to both patient and physician. If pruritus or severe itching, be also a symptom. The itching will readily yield if the parts be cleansed with castile or other fine soap and warm water, followed by the application of a compound composed of 2 ounces of glycerin, 1 ounce of rose water, and 1 dram of sulfite of soda, or, for the sulfite of soda, 2 drams of borax may be substituted. The following lotion is a good one to relieve pruritus, sugar of lead, 2 drams, carbolic acid, half a dram, laudanum, 4 ounces, glycerin, 4 ounces, water. 4 pints, mix. This may be applied to the itching parts, and also injected into the vagina. How to use vaginal injections. We usually recommend the fountain syringe illustrated in figure 6. As the most convenient instrument for administering vaginal injections, the fountains supplied by us are of soft rubber, and have extra nozzles, with which to make rectal, nasal or ear irrigations. There is also a large, long nozzle for vaginal injections. It is channeled so as to permit the free clearing away of the secretions as the douche is employed. The fountain syringe can be used without assistance. The flow of fluid is gradual, and with a force that can be varied, by raising or lowering the reservoir, yet is never so great as to be liable to produce injurious effects. The syringes usually sold with small nozzles or pipes are of little or no value for vaginal injections. In many instances so small a tube will pass readily into the canal of the uterus and hence there has frequently resulted in injection of a portion of the fluid into the uterus itself, producing severe pain. It is important, therefore, in using the vaginal douche to employ only a large tube that has grooves in its surface for the free clearing away of the fluid as it runs from the fountain, where it is desired to obtain relief from a congested, inflamed or sensitive and irritable state of the mucous surface. The employment of a large quantity of water as hot as it can be borne, is of the greatest remedial value. It rapidly diminishes the size of the blood vessels, and aids in bringing about a normal circulation in the parts. As a rule, in taking the douche with the fountain syringe the rubber bag is filled, and suspended from a nail or hook at a height of from 2 to 5 feet above the patient, and the fluid passes through the tube by force of gravity, thus requiring no muscular exercise. The force of the stream depends upon the height of the fountain above the outlet nozzle. It is only necessary that the patient should assume a comfortable position where the fluid which comes from the vaginal canal can flow into a water closet, or any convenient vessel, after a thorough cleansing of the vaginal surfaces of mucus, by means of the warm or hot water, it is sometimes advisable to inject remedial fluids, these injections may readily be made with the fountain or bulb syringe, introducing not less than from 2 to 4 ounces. This may be retained sufficiently long to exert its remedial effects upon the mucous surface, which usually takes from 5 to 8 minutes. The hips should be elevated, and the nozzle of the syringe surrounded by a napkin or other similar material, upon which moderate compression can be made so as to retain the fluid in the vagina for the necessary period. When suffering from any uterine trouble, it is necessary to avoid severe fatigue. The amount and character of exercise should be sweet to the condition of the patient, while most important of all, the strictest abstinence from sexual intercourse should be observed. To those who are unable readily to obtain the fountain syringe above recommended we can send by mail, postpaid, 
one of these instruments on receipt of 2.00, a soft rubber bulb, or pump syringe illustrated in figure 7, not so good for making vaginal injections, can be sent by us, postpaid, for from 75 quarts, to a 1.50, the price varying with the quality and size, sterility, barrenness, real sentiment and interest center in fecundity, since the desires and happiness of mankind are consummated in marriage and procreation, how dreary would life be without love, companionship, and the family, how precious are the ties that bind our hearts to father, mother, daughter, and son, the love of children is innate in the heart of every true man and woman, each child born supplements the lives of its parents with new interest, awakens tender concern, and unites their sympathies with its young life, how dreary is the thought that one may attain a ripe old age with neither son nor daughter to smooth the decline of life, or sorrow for his or her departure, how many women desire a firstborn of love, the idol of their waiting hearts, a soul, which shall be begotten within, clothed with their own nature, and yet immortal, it is a natural instinct, this yearning of the heart for offspring, and yet little is said upon this subject, in which so much is experienced, all that is beautiful and lovely in woman, finds its climax in motherhood, what earthly being do we love so devotedly as our mother, men and women exhibit but little concern, mere idle curiosity, perhaps, on this subject, unless, perchance, there is no evidence of their own reproductive powers, if, however, these appear to be deficient, then few topics are more deeply interesting or investigated with greater personal solicitude, such persons will seldom submit their condition to the family physician, for it is a delicate subject, involving personal considerations, and, therefore, they prefer to consult with one who cannot connect their unfortunate situation with any of the incidents which enter into the history of their lives, this is very natural, and sometimes is the only way to keep private matters profoundly secret, being widely known as specialists, devoting our undivided attention to chronic affections, and having unusual facilities for the investigation and management of such cases, we have been applied to in innumerable instances, to ascertain the causes of barrenness and effect its removal, it is admitted that the question of a woman's sterility is practically decided in the first three years of married life, for statistics show that less than 10 out of a 100 women who do not indicate their fertility in the first three years of wedlock ever bear children, we have treated many who gave no evidence of fertility for a much longer period of married life, and who afterwards gave birth to children, we are unable to state the proper ratio of the number of the married who are childless, much less have we the right to assume that all who decline the responsibilities of motherhood are necessarily barren. Causes. The causes of barrenness may be obliteration of the canal of the neck of the womb, sealing up of its mouth, or inflammation resulting in adhesion of the walls of the vagina, thus obstructing the passage to the uterus. In the latter case, the vagina forms a short, closed sac. In some instances, the vaginal passage cannot be entered in consequence of an imperfect hymen. Again, the cause of barrenness may either be a diseased condition of the ovaries, preventing them from maturing healthy germs, or chronic inflammation of the mucous membrane of the neck of the uterus, which does not render conception impossible, but improbable. It is one of the most common causes of unfruitfulness, because the female seldom, if ever, recovers from it spontaneously. It has been known to exist for 20 or 30 years. Chronic inflammation of the vagina also gives rise to acrid secretions, which destroy the vitality of the spermatozoa. Suppression of the menses, or any disorder of the uterine functions, may disqualify the female for reproduction. 
flexions of the uterus, displacements, congestions, and local debility, may likewise prevent fertility. Sterility may result from impaired ovarian innervation or undue excitement of the nerves, either of which deranges the process of ovulation. Even too frequent indulgence in marital pleasures sometimes defeats conception. Prostitutes who indulge in excessive and promiscuous sexual intercourse, seldom become pregnant. Anything that enfeebles the functional powers of the system is liable to disqualify the female for reproduction. Treatment. An extensive observation and experience in the treatment of sterility, convinces us that, in the majority of cases, barrenness is due to some form of disease which can be easily remedied. If the passages through the neck of the uterus be closed or contracted, and this is the most frequent cause of sterility, a very delicate surgical operation, which causes little if any pain or inconvenience to the patient, will remove the impediment to fertility. In many of these cases, we have succeeded in removing the contraction and stricture of the neck of the womb by dilatation, when the vaginal walls are so firmly united as to prevent copulation. A surgical operation may be necessary to overcome their adhesion. When the hymen obstructs the vaginal orifice, a similar operation may be necessary to divide it. Vaginismus, which will be treated elsewhere, sometimes causes sterility. It is proper that we should suggest to the baron, that if sexual intercourse be indulged in only very abstemiously, conception will be more likely to occur than if moderation be not exercised. We may also very properly allude to the fact that there is greater aptitude to fecundation immediately before and soon after the menstrual periods than at other times. In fact, many medical men believe that it is impossible for conception to occur from the twelfth day following menstruation up to within two or three days of the return of the menses. Elongation of the neck of the womb, an elongated condition of the neck of the womb, illustrated by figure 9, is frequently a cause of sterility. If this part is elongated, Slement want, as shown in the illustration, it is apt to curve or bend upon itself, thus constricting the passage through it and preventing the transit of seminal fluid into the womb. An eminent author says, even a slight degree of elongation, in which the cervix, or neck, has a conical shape, has been observed to be frequently followed by that condition sterility. Our own observations, embracing the examination of hundreds of sterile women annually, lead us to believe that this condition is among the common causes of barrenness, but, fortunately, it is one of those most easily overcome. Treatment. If the neck is only slightly elongated, this consists in dividing the slim projecting part, by the use of the hysterotome. If it be a more aggravated case, a portion of the womb must be removed. This operation is perfectly safe and simple, and, strange as it may seem to those who are not familiar with operations upon the womb, is not painful. We have never seen any bad results follow it, but have known it to be the means of rendering numerous barren women fruitful. Flexions and versions of the womb, flexion of the uterus, in which it is bent upon itself, as illustrated in figure 10, produces a bending of the cervical canal, constricting or obliterating it, and thus preventing the passage of spermatozoa through it. Version of the uterus in which its top, or fundus, falls either forward against the bladder and eversion as illustrated in figure 11, or backward against the rectum retroversion, may close the mouth of the uterus by firmly pressing it against the wall of the vaginal canal, and thus prevent the passage of spermatozoa into the womb. The treatment of these several displacements will be considered hereafter. We may here remark, however, that they can be remedied by proper treatment. Our mechanical movements, manipulations, and kneadings are invaluable aids in correcting these displacements. 
disease of the ovaries. Sterility may be due to disease of the ovaries. Chronic inflammation of the ovaries may result from uterine disorders or peritonitis, and is commonly attended with a sense of fullness and tenderness, and pain in the ovarian region. These symptoms are more apparent upon slight pressure, or during menstruation. This disease is curable, although it may require considerable time to perfectly restore the health. When this chronic affection is the result of other derangements, the indications are to restore health in the contiguous organs, and to relieve excessive congestion and nervous excitement in the ovaries. The patient should be very quiet during the menstrual period and avoid severe exercise or fatiguing occupations, not only at those periods, but during the intervals. All measures calculated to improve the general health should be adopted. Use injections of warm water, medicated with borax, soda, and glycerin, in the vagina every night and morning. The surface of the body should be kept clean by the daily employment of hand baths, followed by brisk friction. The bowels, if constipated, should be regulated as suggested for constipation. The system should be strengthened by drive Pierce's favorite prescription, and, if the blood be disordered, no better alterative can be found for domestic use than Drive Pierce's golden medical discovery. If the patient does not in a few months improve under this treatment, the case should be placed under the immediate care of some physician well qualified by education and experience to critically examine and successfully treat this affection. Chronic inflammation and ulceration of the uterus. A cause of sterility. When enumerating the causes of barrenness we mentioned that chronic inflammation of the mucous membrane of the mouth and neck of the womb was the most common affection that defeats conception. Of all diseases of female organs, this island without doubt, the most common, and, since it does not at first produce great inconvenience or immediately endanger life, it does not excite the attention which its importance demands, it is overlooked, and, when the attention is directed to the existence of this long-neglected disease it appears so trivial that it is not regarded as being the real cause of infertility in the patient. When this disease has existed for a long time, the very structure of the parts involved becomes changed. The glands of the cervical membrane secrete a glary mucus, resembling the white, or albuminous part of an egg. The secretion is thick and ropey, and fills the entire mouth and neck of the uterus, thus preventing the entrance of the spermatozoa. The mucous membrane becomes thickened, the inflammation extends to the deeper structures, and, on examination through the speculum, we find the mouth of the uterus inflamed, hardened, and enlarged, as represented in figure 22, colored plate ivy, or in figure 23 of same plate, figure 25, plate ivy, shows the mucus follicles just as they are found all along the neck of the womb, in a state of inflammation and enlargement, and filled with a fluid resembling honey giving rise to ulceration and a thick discharge, as illustrated in figure 23, colored plate ivy, feebleness of the constitution, impoverishment of the blood, a scrofulous diathesis, want of exercise, uncleanliness, tight lacing, disappointment, excessive excitement of the passions, the use of pessaries for displacement of the uterus, overwork, and taking cold, all predispose the cervical membrane to chronic ulceration, the inflammation may be so mild, and the discharge so trifling in quantity, as scarcely to attract attention, but after it obtains a firmer hold, and, in most cases, it is aggravated by exposure or neglect, the patient experiences dragging sensations about the pelvis, and pain in back and loins, accompanied with a bearing down sensation and numbness or pain extending to the thighs, the discharge is thick, starch-like, and generally irritating, the patient becomes irascible, capricious, 
querulous, and sometimes moody and hysterical. She is easily discouraged, her appetite and digestion become impaired, and she grows thin and does not look or act as when in health. Treatment. In offering a few hints for the domestic management of these abnormal conditions, we would at the same time remark, that, while health may be regained by skillful treatment, recovery will be gradual. We especially wish to guard the patient against entertaining too strong expectations of a speedy recovery. Although she may employ the best treatment known, yet from three to five months may elapse before a perfect cure can be effected. In persons of scrofulous diathesis, in whom the recuperative forces are weakened, it is very difficult to effect a radical cure. It is equally true, however, that under domestic management alone, thousands have been restored to perfect health and fruitfulness. Hygienic management consists in toning the functions of the skin by daily bathing the surface of the body, and quickening the circulation by brisk friction. The patient should rise early in the morning, and exercise in the fresh and invigorating air. Those who sleep in warm rooms, or spend much of their time in bed, will continue to have congestion of the uterus, and habitual discharges from this enfeebled organ. The patient should take daily walks, increasing the length of the excursion from time to time but not to the extent of producing fatigue. The bowels, if constipated, should be regulated. Strengthen the system by using Drive Pierce's favorite prescription, to each ball of which add two drams of citrate or pyrophosphate of iron. The mouth and neck of the uterus should be thoroughly cleansed by the use of the syringe, as suggested for the treatment of leukorrhea. The use of the solution of Drive Pierce's purifying and strengthening lotion tablets there advised will also be beneficial, if thoroughly applied. A most valuable course of local treatment, which may be adopted by any intelligent lady without the aid of a physician, and one that will result in the greatest benefit when there is morbid sensibility, congestion, inflammation, or ulceration about the mouth or neck of the womb, consists in applying to those parts a roll of medicated cotton or soft sponge, allowing it to remain there for 12 hours at a time. A piece of fine, soft, compressible sponge, as large as a hen's egg or a roll of cotton batting of two-thirds that size, is thoroughly saturated with pure glycerin, securely fastened with a stout cord a few inches long, the vagina and affected parts having been thoroughly cleansed with warm water and castile soap, as advised in the treatment of leukorrhea, the sponge or cotton should be passed up the vagina with the finger, and pressed rather firmly against the mouth and neck of the womb, which, being enlarged, and, consequently falling below its natural position, will generally be low down in the vagina, and so hardened as to be unmistakably distinguished from the surrounding parts by the sense of touch. The glycerin, having a very strong affinity for water, will absorb large quantities of the serum, which has been effused into the affected tissues in consequence of their congestion and inflammation, and thus reduce the inflammation and enlargement. This is the cause of the profuse, watery discharge which follows the application. In 12 hours after the sponge or cotton has been applied, it should be removed by means of the attached thread, one end of which has been purposely left hanging out of the vagina. Then thoroughly cleanse the vagina with warm water. Use the solution of Drive Pierce's lotion tablets as suggested for the treatment of leukorrhea, and repeat the glycerin application the following day or every other day. If there is no irritation or tenderness of the vagina, add one dram of tincture of iodine to each ounce of the glycerin, alternating the use of this with that of pure glycerin, or the iodine and glycerin may be used every third day, and the glycerin alone on the two intervening days, as the iodine will color the finger somewhat. 
it is well to know that this unpleasant effect may be almost or entirely avoided by coating that member with lard, sweet oil, or Vaseline. The stain may be readily removed with a solution of iodide of potassium. The use of drive pierces and aseptic and healing suppositories as advised on another page under the head of ulceration of the uterus will aid greatly in effecting a cure. If your medicine dealer does not have these suppositories in stock, mail 25 cents in stamps to drive or be pierce. Buffalo, NY and a box will be sent you by return post. It is well to alternate drive pierces golden medical discovery with drive pierces favorite prescription. Taking of each three times a day. By persevering in this course of treatment, nine-tenths of those who are thus afflicted will improve and be fully restored to health, fruitfulness and happiness. If barrenness continue, the case should be unreservedly submitted, either in person or by letter, to a physician skilled in the diagnosis and treatment of these affections. From the foregoing remarks, the reader will perceive that there are a variety of diseased conditions, any one of which may produce sterility. It is equally true that nearly all these conditions may be easily cured by proper medical or surgical treatment. A frequent cause of barrenness is stricture of the neck of the uterus. No medicine that a woman can take or have applied will remove this unnatural condition. Fortunately, however, the means to be employed cause no pain, are perfectly safe, and the time required to effect a cure is short, rarely over 20 or 30 days. Displacements of the womb the relative positions of the womb and surrounding organs, when in a state of health, are well illustrated by figure 1, page 680. The womb is supported in its place by resting upon the vaginal walls, and by a broad ligament on either side, as well as by other connective tissues. By general debility of the system, the supports of the womb, like the other tissues of the body, become weakened and inadequate to perfectly perform their duty, thus permitting various displacements of that organ. Pyrolalapiasus, or falling of the uterus, is a common form of displacement. It has been erroneously regarded as a local uterine disease, requiring only local treatment instead of being considered as a symptom of general derangement, and, therefore, requiring constitutional treatment. Hence, variously devised supporters have been invented to retain the womb in position after its replacement. It is a law of physiology, that the muscular system is strengthened by use and that want of exercise weakens it. The blacksmith's arm is strengthened and developed by daily exercise. Support his arm in a sling, and the muscles will be greatly weakened and wasted. So when artificial supports are used to retain the womb in position, thereby relieving the supporting ligaments and tissues of their normal function, the natural supports of the uterus are still further weakened, and the prolapses will be worse than before when the artificial support is removed. Besides, all these mechanical contrivances are irritating to the tissues of the womb and vagina, and frequently produce congestion, inflammation, and even ulceration, thus rendering the patient's condition much worse than before their employment. These worse than useless appliances should never be resorted to for the temporary relief which they sometimes afford. Constitutional treatment together with appropriate applications is the only effectual method of remedying this morbid condition. Symptoms when the displacement is sufficient to cause any serious disturbance, the prominent symptoms are a sensation of dragging and weight in the region of the womb, pain in the back and loins, inability to lift weights, great fatigue from walking, leukorrhea, a frequent desire to urinate, irritation of the lower bowel, and derangement of the stomach. The womb may protrude from the vaginal orifice, in very rare cases, wholly protrudes, and may be inverted. Causes, as we have already stated, General debility favors prolapses of the womb. 
but various general and local circumstances and conditions also favor its occurrence. Wearing heavy garments supported only by the hips, compressing the waist and abdomen with tight clothing, thus forcing the abdominal organs down upon the womb, are fruitful causes of this affection. Excesses in sexual intercourse give rise to a leucorrhea, producing a relaxed condition of the vagina, upon which the womb rests, and, in this way, one of its supports is weakened. Enlargement of the uterus from congestion, and inflammation or tumors also favor prolapses. Abortion may leave the womb enlarged, its supports weakened, and result in this displacement. Flexions and versions, instead of sliding down into the vagina, as in prolapses, the uterus is liable to fall or be forced into other unnatural positions. When the uterus is bent upon itself, it is called flexion. If the bending is backward, it is called retroflexion, if forward, anaflexion. Figure 12, represents the former condition. The uterus being flexed backward so that the fundus, or upper part of the womb, is pressed against the rectum, while the neck of the uterus remains in its natural position. This is a common form of displacement, and generally occurs between the ages of 14 and 50. Symptoms. The prominent symptoms of retroflexion of the uterus are a sense of weight in the region of the rectum, difficulty in evacuating the bowels, and, sometimes a retention of the feces. There may be suppression of the urine and the menses may be diminished in quantity. If retroflexion is due to a chronic enlargement of the uterus, caused by abortion or parturition, the patient suffers from an immoderate menstrual flow. Causes. The principal causes of retroflexion are congestion, enlargement and tumors of the uterus. Congestion is liable to occur in women possessing an extremely active temperament, as well as in those of sedentary and indolent habits. Retroflexion is a common displacement in both married and unmarried women, it is a secondary affection, and, when it is caused by congestion, the menses are painful and reduced in quantity, and there is pain in the back and a sense of weight in the region of the rectum. In some instances, there is a reflex irritation of the mammary glands, and a consequent secretion of milk. There may also be nausea and vomiting, which often lead to the erroneous opinion that the patient is pregnant. Anaflexion of the uterus denotes a bending forward of the body and fundus of the uterus, while the neck remains in its natural position. Inversions of the uterus. Neither the body nor the neck of the womb is bent upon itself, but the whole organ is completely turned backward or forward. Retroversion of the uterus, illustrated by figure 13, signifies a change in the position of the womb, so that the upper, or fundal portion of the organ drops back toward the concavity of the sacrum while the neck preserves a straight line in the opposite direction. The fundus presses forcibly against the rectum, while the upper part of the vagina bends abruptly and forms an acute angle near the mouth of the uterus. Symptoms. Retroversion is indicated by bearing down pains in the loins and difficulty in evacuating the bowels. The feces may accumulate in the rectum, because they cannot pass this obstruction. Causes. Jumping. Falling. Or undue pressure from the contents of the abdomen may suddenly cause retroversion of the uterus. Sometimes retroversion results from obstinate constipation, and eversion. This term designates another unnatural position of the uterus, in which the fundus, or upper part of the organ, falls forward, as illustrated by figure 14, while the neck points towards the hollow of the sacrum. This position of the womb is the reverse of that of retroversion. In its natural position, the fundus of the uterus is slightly inclined forward, and any pressure or forward traction, is liable to cause it to fall still further in that direction. Symptoms. One of the most common symptoms of antiversion is a frequent desire to urinate, 
in consequence of the pressure of the uterus upon the bladder, the free flow of the menses is sometimes obstructed. Causes, the causes are tight lacing, prolapse of the abdominal organs, weakness of the supporting ligaments, and enervating habits. Treatment, in treating all the various displacements of the uterus, the prominent indication is to tone up the general system, for by so doing we also strengthen the uterine supports. Digestion should be improved, the blood enriched, and nutrition increased, so that the muscles and ligaments which retain the womb in position may become firm and strong. The womb will thus be gradually drawn into position by their normal action and firmly supported. It is a great mistake, made by physicians as well as patients, to consider a displacement of the uterus a local disease, requiring only local treatment. A restoration of the general health will result in the cure of these displacements. The uterus will regain its tone and muscular power, and the local derangement, with its attendant pain and morbid symptoms, will disappear. It is true that displacements of the womb may be associated with inflammation and ulcers, which require local treatment, as elsewhere suggested, but simple displacement of the uterus may be remedied by pursuing the following course of sanitary and medical treatment. Sleep on a hard bed, rise early, bathe, and take a short walk before breakfast. Dress the body warmly and allow sufficient space for the easy and full expansion of the lungs. Eat moderately three meals a day. Of those articles which are nutritious and readily digested, keep the bowels regular by the use of proper food. If they are constipated, use drive pierces pellets to keep them open and regular. Avoid retaining the standing position too long at a time, especially when the symptoms are aggravated by it. Many energetic women disregard their increasing pains and keep upon their feet as long as possible. Such a course is extremely injurious and should be avoided, as a general restorative and uterine tonic. Nothing surpasses Drive Pierce's favorite prescription, which is sold by druggists and accompanied with full directions for use. If leukorrhea is an attendant symptom, the treatment suggested for that condition should be employed. The use of Drive Pierce's antiseptic and healing suppositories. Applying one every third night after having first cleansed the vagina and neck of the womb thoroughly by the use of warm water and soap as an injection, will prove of great benefit in giving strength to the supports of the womb and its appendages, by persevering in the rati.